You are listening to the Not Neurotypical Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Stan, and this podcast is all about being neurodivergent in a really neurotypical world. I am a married mom of three, or well, I'm trying to stay married, and I also work, or well, I try to work. Well, anyway, if you don't mind me using you as therapy, strap on your seatbelts, hold on tight, because it's probably going to be a bumpy ride. Welcome back. I am so happy that you may have checked out episode one and two. If you haven't, this has been all about my personal journey of late diagnosis, autism spectrum disorder, on top of my childhood diagnosis of ADHD. And as we discussed, things just never totally fit. Um, ADHD totally made sense for certain things, but there was just more I was dealing with that didn't make sense, but it didn't relate to, for me personally, uh, learning disabilities or, um, any type of delays or anything like that. So it was just very confusing and autism spectrum disorder can be so vast and different for each person. So I just want to highlight that. This is all my personal experience. And whether you identify with it or not does not necessarily mean that you have autism spectrum disorder. This is really just my personal experience and journey. And so much of what I'm talking about is comorbid with other conditions. So if you suspect anything, I encourage you to get a diagnosis or seek an evaluation with a psychiatrist or someone who specializes in, um, you know, either autism spectrum disorder or whatever you suspect you may be dealing with. So for me, I really wanted to discuss a lot of the symptoms that I identified with when I was first figuring out what the heck was going on after I scored a 40 out of 50 on the AQ, which is the autism spectrum quotient, which is an adult self-test that I took. And I passed with flying colors or failed, (laughs) depending how you look at it. But I... At that moment, everything clicked. I knew. And even though I did get my diagnosis on July 1st, 2019, I knew at that moment after I took that autism quotient, after I had my husband, my mom, my sister take it, all of them scored extremely low, which is what I would have expected. And then I couldn't make any more excuses. I had to face my reality. And that's exactly what I did. And today I really wanted to highlight the specific symptoms that really resonated with me. And I feel it's so important that I really highlight these symptoms with you today because these are all things that I had no idea had anything to do with autism spectrum disorder or something that autistic adults dealt with. And some of it, yes, um, makes sense. And some of the stuff I was really shocked at the time. And now that I know a lot more and I've done a lot more research, it definitely all makes sense and fits. But I remember being totally shocked when I looked at what symptoms present like in most females. Now, we are going to be discussing a list that I had found And I'm going to highlight the person who made this list. But 
we are going to be discussing the list of what they have uncovered most females with autism spectrum disorder present as. I want to highlight that you should look at this list, in my opinion, as ways that are less likely to present from what you hear about from the medical field. So I want to point out that my son, who is also diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder and was the whole reason that this whole whirlwind started with his diagnosis, I want to point out that he does not present typically at all of what you hear about. He never flapped. He always made eye contact. Um, you know, there was just so much more to his story than what you hear about and what you especially learn about in early intervention and all of that. So I'm not saying that these things that we're going to be discussing only happen in females and it's this whole dark world that no one knew about. I really want you to know that this stuff is happening in men and women. There are tons of men and boys who are autistic that don't present like the stereotypical things we've been told. So that's my, that's my little TED talk today. Thank you for listening. Anyway, let's keep going. I found this list and this wonderful woman named, let me find her name. Hold on. Tania Marshall. She is an award-winning author, presenter, and psychologist. Okay. She really interviewed tons and tons of women. And this is all anecdotal and based on what women have shared with her. But I think that's really powerful because if there's one thing the autistic community teaches you, it's that sharing experiences and putting that data and information together is a beautiful thing to spread acceptance and awareness about something. So um, I think traditional science in a lot of cases doesn't necessarily like anecdotal. I believe in a mix of everything. Um, but I just want to point out that this is an anecdotal list, just for the record. So I found this list right after I took the AQ. And I wanted to share the things that I presented most like and just talk more about that stuff and, and share with me too. Find me on Instagram at Laura Stan, that's L-A-U-R-A-Z-D-A-N, and share with me, you know, things that maybe you didn't know that you're hearing today or things that you had no idea could be ASD that really hit home for you when you were doing your own research. Anyway, so as far as cognitive and intellectual abilities, I totally, totally, totally relate to the superior long-term memory and weaker short-term memory. I cannot remember uh, reading a recipe and then going and doing, you know, just one line of that recipe when I go to get the ingredient, okay? And then, then I'm like, wait, how much was I supposed to do? <laughs> and I have to read it like five times. But I can remember things that happened when I was three years old as if it was yesterday. So that... I, I mean, there's just so many examples. That's just one really weak, quick example. Um, they need academic accommodations in high school and university and totally relate to that. I needed accommodations and I did not get them because I, for one, wasn't diagnosed with this at the time. And two, I masked so much that I think no one had any idea what was going on. 
um, a distinct learning profile consisting of a spiky profile of strengths and weaknesses, peaks and troughs, learning disabilities and differences. So basically, I totally relate to that. I have such strong strengths that shock people, but then my weaknesses also kind of shock people. They're like, oh, you can do this. Why can't you do that? I mean, I've been hearing that my whole life. Like, why can't you put your energy into this like you put your energy into that? Um, I can't tell you how many times I was talked down to for things like that. So that is really common. Often having a rigid negative thinking profile, inflexible black or white thinking style or rigidity of thinking. That was definitely me as a kid, especially a late teen. I thought I knew everything. I saw everything as black and white. There was no gray in my world. I think after having kids that really toned down uh, that extreme view of everything, because when you have kids, just everything changes the way you think about everything. And I think that helped me see um, when you love little things that you are responsible for raising, you start to become aware of all the gray area out there. So that's one thing that definitely helped me. And then I think just growing up in general definitely helped me tone that down. But I still, I think, am more extreme, an extreme black or white thinker than the average neurotypical. Um, My husband, for instance, is often a gray area thinker or like to me, it seems like he's always playing devil, devil's advocate, but I don't even think he really is. He's just um, taking all things into account before he snaps to a judgment like I do. So <laughs> that's definitely something I relate to. And context blindness is very, um, you know, just not quite being able to put the whole picture together in that specific context. That is very common. So what about career and work? Woo, that one is a deep one for me. Um, These are some things. May miss days of work due to social exhaustion. May find great difficulty attending or participating in staff meetings, lunch breaks, and work social events. I can't raise my hand high enough right now. You can't see me, but oh my goodness, that was me may make up excuses for not attending work or staff functions. Me, 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 me. (laughs) May have a history of being unable to cope with work and employment environments, often moving from job to job, especially in younger adult years. 100% me. Hardworking, conscientious worker. So she, Tania Marshall, wanted to point out that none of this has anything to do with work ethic. Keep that in mind. May get stressed if has a lot of work to do in a short amount of time. So me, 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 me. May become frustrated or stressed if asked to do too many things at once. So me. I could give one million examples of that situation in my past. Tries very hard to avoid making mistakes, often forgetting things due to that. Wow. Mind blown tries hard to please others. I'm totally a people pleaser and I don't care what anyone thinks. No, I can't explain that for you. Tries hard to please others. We just said that. May burn bridges, for example, walk out or quit jobs or relationships without notice. 
I have walked out on so, so, so many jobs, not because I'm a jerk and not because I don't care about anybody, because I do. It's because I didn't know how to emotionally regulate my meltdowns or other things that I was dealing with or the social cues. I didn't know I was struggling with reading social cues from people at work and things like that. So I just did not manage myself well at all. And I do kind of feel bad about the amount of times that I've just walked out on jobs. Um, But now it makes a little more sense. I can kind of rationalize it. I will say that does make me feel a little bit better. But I wish I had this information earlier so that maybe I could have uh, not even taken a job (laughs) that... I knew was going to upset me or things like that. You know, so many of these experiences, I didn't know how I was going to react to them. I didn't know that it was going to affect me a certain way. And then while it was going on, I didn't even know why it was affecting me that way. So it's so complicated. But what about aspects of social and friendship relationships? May appear narcissistic, self-centered, egocentric, or caring only about her or himself due to not understanding the unwritten social rules. Preference for one-on-one social interactions or single close friendships. So me. May obsess over one friend to the extreme. Not so much me. I've never even gotten, I would say that's more like romantic relationships. Like me and my husband, we are so close. That's it. Like I can't even manage anybody else besides my kids, honestly. So maybe that does affect me. Um, what about this? So this is specifically for girls preference for friendships with men as they are easier to understand than women. They also find the interests of their peers boring and uninteresting. And this brings me back to childhood so much. I was a tomboy, which they say ASD females are so commonly tomboys when they're younger. And that doesn't mean I didn't like girly things. It just means that I didn't have time for it. I think I just didn't want to bother with it. I didn't fully understand it. And I liked running around. I also had ADHD. I liked running around with my male friends and playing sports and being crazy and wild and just laughing. And that's what the boys did. They just made jokes. They just laughed. We just played sports. It was very low maintenance. There was no deep connections going on. It was very face value. And I really loved that. I cannot stress that enough. And I remember this is an older memory. So we all know signs of ASD in children is pretend play or lack of really, you know, pretend play is very hard for them. So speaking of that, I remember telling my mom in kindergarten that I liked playing with the boys because the girls wanted to play house and I just didn't get it. I mean, why would one girl be the mom and one girl be the baby? And then there's like an aunt and I couldn't even understand what they were doing. And it's so funny that I told my mom that in kindergarten and she was just like, ha ha ha. (laughs) This is how little we knew in the eighties. Yes. I was in kindergarten in the, well, actually it was probably 1990. Um, that's how little they knew. My mom wasn't even like red flag, red flag, like I would have had now. Um, she was just like, 
Oh, wow. That's interesting. I don't even know if she said anything. I wonder if her red flag even went off. But anyway, I, I literally had that conversation with my mom. So that goes way, way back to my childhood. Speaking of which, all of these things are very common in children as well as adults. So need more time away from people than their peers or solitude. Definitely, definitely relate to that. May experience stress, anxiety, and confusion in a social group or group work situations. Yep, totally me. Social anxiety leading to social phobia. Overanalyzing social interactions where they overthink on a loop about what they said, did, did not say, should have said, or not said what they wish they would have said. On the other side of this is continual stressing about what the other person is thinking of them. This usually is done to the extreme and so extreme that it can be incapacitating for the person. And what about the strong preference to engage in conversation related only to their special interest or special interests that they have? That is very, very me. I look back at my past and I felt like I couldn't even be friends with people unless they had similar interests. My husband, we have very, very different interests, but our major interests are similar. And his whole world revolves around music. My whole world revolves around music. I am so sickly into film, including like what directors do what and this producer and writers and all of that. I go way, way, way deep into it. And he has ended up loving it. I mean, he was always into like liked watching movies, but he definitely got way more into it with me. And it was something that I could share with him. And that's like a joy of mine. And yeah, I mean, my whole life has been revolved around my interests. And I see that now. Um, Let's get back to the list. A history of being bullied, teased, left out and or not fitting in with same age peers unless she or he has had similar Aspie or ASD friends. So that is something that's really hard on a lot of ASD people. I did have a short period that I was bullied and it was in a new situation. This totally makes sense. So I pretty much just went to a private school that was K through 12 and we all started together. It was like the same kids forever. And then for a short time I left in about fourth grade and then went back to the school in sixth grade. So there's about two school years where I was in a new public school out of the area, didn't know anybody. And I was pretty popular at my first school, and it was very hard for me to not understand why I couldn't really make any friends at the new school. And it was funny because when I went back to my old school and I had all my friends back and and had a good time, I would say that I just blamed it on the other school. I never thought it was me. I just assumed it was everybody else. I think that is what I've always done. It's always been everyone else and not me because I just didn't understand what was going on. So in this is amazing. An intense dislike of lies, but may lie to others. Many have admitted this. And I have to say, I extremely align with that. I 
maybe it's part of masking. You get used to like, well, I'm not saying that masking is lying, but hiding certain things about yourself, it's almost like you find this comfort in some sort of darkness. And then if you don't find that fine line, I mean, I think you do are, are just prone to start lying to get out of things. And I mean, that was definitely me. White lies. I mean, it, never crazy lies and not like a web of lies, but I totally lied not to deal with things a lot. I definitely don't do that as much now. Um, but I have to say a huge trigger for me is finding out that someone has lied to me. It very much upsets me. It hurts deeper than other people. I am so offended, even if it's something little. And I'm not really sure where that comes in, but I'm sure I could look that up and figure that out. But that is so me. And this is another important one. Has an ability to socialize, however, is unable to do so for long periods of time suffers from so social exhaustion or social hangover when socializing too much. The hangover can last hours to days, which can be debilitating. And I would have to say I can relate to that, even more so now with kids, just because I am constantly surrounded by noise and young kids kind of screaming and playing and having a good time. And then the thought of going out to a bar, which I've never really liked, or somewhere like that where there's just like even more noise and people yelling and just bottles clanging and all of that. I mean, that's just very unappealing to me. And I probably go out with people maybe once every six months or so, just because I'd rather just chill with someone at home or just like message my friends online or something. It's just so much better for me in a sensory aspect anyway experience great difficulty with conflict, arguments, being yelled at, fighting, war, and stress. Definitely aligned with that. Has great difficulty asserting themselves, asking for help, and setting boundaries. Ding, 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 ding. That's me to a T. May need to drink or do drugs to be able to socialize, perform, be with and or around people. I definitely align with that. Um, I, when I was younger and I was most social, it was definitely with social drinking for sure. I mean, I'm never someone who would like drink alone by myself and get drunk and all of that, but I definitely needed alcohol to, uh, open up and share more and just be around people more when I was younger. Now that's just not really an issue may currently have or have experienced post-traumatic stress, often due to being misunderstood, misdiagnosed, mistreated, and or incorrectly medicated. This is very, very common. I see it all over the internet and all the groups I'm in, just in the, in the autistic world, this is so common. Social skills differences. Exceptionally good one-on-one -on -one and presenting in groups, however, has difficulty working within group situations. Totally me. I can totally lead anybody. But when it's like a give or take equal thing where I have to like rely on somebody else and I am not in charge, when I'm in control, things are great. When I own my own business, I do very well. But in a job where I'm like depending on other people and all of that, it's just so much harder for me. So I totally relate to that one may find themselves in social situations or relationships that they are unhappy with, 
but not know how to remove themselves from them is highly at risk for being with a toxic, abusive person due to their nature. Let me repeat that. Is highly at risk for being with a toxic and or abusive person due to our nature. That's crazy. And that sucks. And that is a reality. And I have to say, I've been there. And I have lived that and 100% relate to that history of being taken advantage of by others, even though he or she has taken the appropriate business, legal, or social advice from others. So I think that's more of that like social disconnect that affects us. Often bored in social situations or parties and or does not know how to act in social situations. Totally me. It could be ADHD making that even worse too, but I am bored at a lot of places. And medication has definitely helped with that for me personally. May say yes to social events, then later make up an excuse as to why they cannot attend. Often stays home in solitude and enjoys reading a book or engaging in special interests. I can very deeply relate to that. Often prefers to be engaged in their special interests rather than socializing. Yep, that's me. May be considered the black sheep of the family. Wow. Okay, so my whole life I've said I'm the black sheep for so many reasons. But, wow, there was a reason for that. There, It wasn't just like my family being so different than me or me being so different. Like, wow. And, and realizing that, that was a big, big realization for me. Others consider them different, odd, eccentric, or weird. All of those. You can check down all of that for me. May feel like they have to act normal to please others or does not care at all about fitting in. And I have to say, I relate to both of those. I think I'm both of those in different situations. Um, When I was younger, I was unique and more of a trendsetter, I would say, in some ways, and didn't care about fitting in with certain things or engaging in things that I didn't like personally. A people pleaser, but then may also burn bridges suddenly. For example, quitting relationships as they have difficulty managing conflict, confrontation, and stress. I deeply relate to that. And this is for females. May appear to be better than males at masking the traits of autism in social situations. However, girls are less able to do so in unfamiliar settings. That's very interesting. I don't know if I relate to that, but very interesting. May be considered a loner or may have many acquaintances but no real friends. 100% me. Social naivete. May believe anything told to them by others, like gossip, stories, jokes, and teasing, or difficulty impersonating the, I'm sorry, difficulty interpreting the intentions of others or misinterprets others' intentions, often jumping to conclusions about others and may be described as gullible. And I relate to those things to an extent. And let me explain. All of that makes sense. But in my case, I really don't feel like it's social naive, like being socially naive. I tend to jump to conclusions, not going to lie. 
but rarely am I wrong. I'm just going to say that. I, I do totally jump to conclusions. I may not even tell anyone, but when I do, and they're like, no way, I'm telling you, I'm almost always right. So maybe we should just stick to our gut just a little bit. Maybe we can feel things more than others think that we can because of whatever issues we may have. But anyway, so for communication issues, there's so many on this list. I'm just going to touch a couple. May talk too much or not enough. Often surprised when people tell them that they have been rude or inappropriate. Poor pragmatic language skills. 100% me. Struggle with eye contact and listening to someone at the same time. I do not necessarily relate to that, but when I am bored, I am, and I always just related this to ADHD, but if I'm bored or not interested, I'm looking all over the place because I'm completely distracted, but maybe that is a little bit of the ASD in there. Struggles to understand nonverbal communication cues, tendency to take things literally, missing what people are trying to say, totally me. Unusual voice, flat, monotone, high-pitched, childlike, not necessarily me. Maybe I've just masked enough to not have that. I don't know. May ask embarrassing questions, usually when younger. And I have to say, when I was younger, 100% me. I was just in there getting to know people about everything. Um, maybe passive, not know how to assert boundaries in a healthy manner. May dislike asking others for help but be unable to, or be unable to ask and not know how to ask. Difficulties communing their own thoughts and feelings in words to others, especially if anxious, stressed, or upset. Often can type or write thoughts much better. 100% me. And often oversharing in inappropriate ways, not understanding the steps to a friendship or a relationship. And that is totally me. And I would say my friendships that I do have were people that were totally okay with me getting close quickly um, because maybe I just don't understand the steps that take that, that it takes to get closer to someone who's neurotypical or how they normally do it. I don't know. Other profiles, okay? Highly sensitive. May not be able to listen or watch the news or listen to the radio, read the newspaper, watch violent shows or movies, horror movies, see hurt or injured animals, abuse, war, trauma, just overly sensitive, can't handle extremely emotionally, extremely emotional atmospheres or environments where there's a lot of issues or emotional uh you know, ups and downs. Sensory processing disorder conditions that are involved may have sensory sensitivities like hearing, vision, taste, touch, smell, balance, movement, intuition. That's me. All of them <laughs> may have very sensitive, sensitive, um, may, may be very sensitive to pain or high pain thresholds. So either one, I would say I can be both depending what's going on. Um, may notice how food tastes or feels. One may be more important than the other. That's a texture thing or maybe a taste thing. May be clumsy or, or not coordinated very well. May dislike loud noises and or be overwhelmed or stressed by bright lights, strong smells, coarse textures, clothing, sirens, or anything like that. May find children sensitive to the way that clothes feel how they feel might be more important than how they look. 
may have to withdraw, isolate themselves when overwhelmed by their senses, may not be able to tolerate sound, sights, smells, textures, and movement that they don't like, may not want to be touched or hugged, cuddled, or held. But, by the way, I just want to point out that there are sensory-seeking individuals who are highly seeking out touch and cuddling and things like that. So there's not just like one side to that. There's definitely extremes. Um, in social situations, they get nervous, tend to be overwhelmed easily, leading to withdrawal, like wandering off to a quiet spot at a party or playing with children or animals. Strong hunger may be disrupting for the mood and the ability to focus. I extremely relate to that. I remember my parents saying, like, when I was in a bad mood, just feed me. <laughs> um, may notice and enjoy delicate or fine sense, taste, sounds, works of art, and pieces of music. Very interesting or identify with them. Anxiety, stress, and or anger. Recent research has shown that the enlarged amygdala definitely contributes to the role in intense emotions, anxiety, and anger in some cases. May have OCD, that's very commonly occurring. May have ADHD, also very commonly occurring. May rock, leg bounce, fidget, other movements, like twirling hair. I didn't know that was stimming. That's something I did all the time as a kid. I had teachers comment about it, how I once I cut my hair when I was younger, and my one teacher was like, what are you going to do in my class all day if you don't have hair to twirl? And I mean, it was like something people really noticed. And I had no idea that twirling hair or stroking a soft piece of fabric uh, to self-soothe or doodling, drawing. That's something that I did all the time. I didn't know that was stimming. Um, may be very sensitive to medications, caffeine or alcohol, may have gluten, wheat, casein or other food allergies or intolerances and gut issues. Very common. So these are just some of the many, many things on the list that I think are so important that we talk about as far as accepting what is occurring with ASD and what to look out for if you suspect what's going on in your life or your child's life. There are so many things out there that you don't know about that I didn't know about before I educated myself. And it's just something that we need to talk about. So I hope you enjoyed all of this information and I hope that you have learned a lot of things to look out for, for yourself, for your kids, for the people around you. And I want you to use it to accept the challenges that someone around you may be having instead of pinpointing or trying to diagnose them. Maybe think about it in a way of, wow, maybe I possibly just understand their challenges a little better. And how can I help the people around me with their challenges and make them easier? Follow me on Instagram at laurastan, L-A-U-R-A-Z-D-A-N. And if you are enjoying what you hear so far, please leave a comment, subscribe to this channel on iTunes, and let me know what you think. If there is anything you don't like, if you'd like me to add something, if you have constructive criticism, please email me at laurastan, L-A-U-R-A-Z-D-A-N, at iCloud.com. Thank you. Until next time.